Greetings and salutations again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Rogue Opinions, and we are checking ourselves back into the SmackDown Hotel once again for another SmackDown review. Uh, my name is Jimmy Baxter, and as always, I am joined today by Scott McCloud. Scott, what's up, man? I'm doing very good, man. I'm excited because at the same recording, we're just hours away from uh, from TakeOver Toronto, so I'm excited to get to see what happens there. Absolutely, I'm I'm stoked. Any match that you're looking forward to uh, more than the others on the show? I agree with like the common consensus that the Triple Threat should be like an awesome match. I'm hoping for Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler to kind of be like the sleeper hit because there's not a lot of hype around that match, and I'm looking forward to see what Regal says about the final st- the stipulation for the third fall. Yeah, I'm interested to uh, see what that is. Any guesses uh, about what that might be? Uh, from your perspective, I was gonna suggest like maybe a steel cage, but like then like they have then they have to like position a steel cage above the area, which would give it away. So other than that, I can only think of maybe a last man standing. Yeah, that was that was probably uh, gonna be like my guess, like last man standing or I quit or I don't know maybe a ladder match. I mean something that they wouldn't you like that wouldn't be given away earlier in the night by seeing something above the ring, you know. Yeah, I can I can see a ladder match because like you can give them time to recover after the street fight while they they bring the hook down to hang the belt up. Yeah, I mean I've seen it bumbled around that uh, some people are thinking that uh, like Champa might get added and make it a triple threat, but there's a lot of like logical inconsistencies with that. Like if he comes in and wins the belt on one fall, like what happens when they're tie? Like there's a three way tie for for one fall, you know? So. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping it's not that. I'm hoping it's more of like if we do see Champa at all, it's either that he's in the crowd or he shows up at the end and confronts whoever wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but them having another two out of three falls match is, you know, a little a little out there. But definitely the triple threat match is something I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm hoping by the end of the night we get the fulfillment of the promise that Adam Cole made at the beginning of the year that this would be the year that the entire uh, undisputed era is holding gold. Because uh, I just love when factions, like everybody in the faction, has a belt. Like I feel like that just makes it, like aesthetically, it just looks cooler. Yeah, I mean, and as we know, I'm doing the predictions with Carl. The show and the, uh, with there being less matches, the margin for error for me is is very little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the uh, the difference in uh, difference in predictions for me and Nathan's uh, smack uh, SummerSlam. Uh, predictions too is it's like down to like one or two matches so it's real real tight very little room for error um but that's not what we're here to talk about today we are here to talk about episode five of smackdown from the reunion arena in dallas texas uh we're fully checked into our room here at the smackdown hotel do you think we should just uh dive into it i'm good to go all righty so why don't you try and catch us up on some of the stuff that happened on raw okay like i've got all these notes i'm just gonna start from the top of raw because like so much happened on Raw this past week, they were in Houston, and Vince came out the start of the show to relinquish the championship, which to me just makes the whole like main event of last week kind of pointless. Because like if he's just going to relinquish the belt, and well, he just announced that he, that Triple H would still be in the six pack challenge, and it just made no sense. And then Austin came out. He said like as much as he still. Doesn't like Vince. He said he's kind of missed having him around, which I think is quite funny. The fact that he still he hates him, but like still not the same when he doesn't have him around. Like it's an awesome episode of like Batman the animated series when the Joker feels sad because he thinks Batman's dead. 
it's actually almost kind of sweet coming from Stone Cold that he would say that he actually misses having his rival around. It's like they complete each other almost. Like there can't be one without the other. Yeah, Shane came out later on to, when Triple H tried to confront Vince and Austin, and Shane made it for the main event. It was going to be him and Vince taking on Triple H in China. And then Austin said to Vince, like, why don't you grow a sense, stop letting that hothead kid of yours run your company? And they revealed some apparently loophole in the fine print of their contract from Philly Lowe that says that Austin had the power to reinstate Vince. He asked Vince if he reinstated him, would he guarantee him a title shot? And Vince said he would, but it would be against the winner of the six-pack challenge. And they also made Austin the guest enforcer for the six-pack challenge because obviously the referees are still on strike, so a lot's happening in just the opening segment of Raw. That's a packed opening segment for sure. Yeah. Uh, When Triple H came out, they were doing the typical crowd chant, asshole, and Vince said, they're calling your name again, Mr. Helmsley. And uh, The Rock, in multiple segments on this show, was, was just on point because... First day enters the and there's this old security woman who uh, says she's a big fan and it's her birthday and the rock sings his version of uh, of Elvis. He sings the Smackdown Hotel song to her and uh, he says, you getting this feeling in the pit of your stomach? She went, yes. He goes, well, that's good. That's common in women your age. <laughs> he is, he's a fucking gem right now. He is such a, like a unique performer at this point. He does have to save mankind from a beatdown later on when Viscera, Big Joe and uh, Midian are trying to attack him. And then later on in an interview with Michael Cole, mankind tells Michael Cole to know his mouth and shut his roll. <laughs> and uh, The Rock comes in, his biggest concern is that the, he broke his Rolex while, while, saving, while saving mankind and then he forces a... Uh, Michael to put one of Rock's shirts over his face so he doesn't have to look at him while he's getting his Honestly, if you're going to, I'd recommend checking out just that promo, the Rock's promo from this that episode of Raw on the network, because he's just full of great line after great line. Like he says to the Undertaker, the Rock, this is the way he says, the Rock talks trash and he's sleeping and he starts knowing a Rudy Poo candy ass. Like. <laughs> I actually do remember this promo a little bit because. Yeah. I love when they do- kind of dog Michael Cole around and throw a shirt over his face or whatnot. And it's just, this is, I mean, this is partially why Michael Cole never really gets the respect that he deserves. Cause he's for so many years just gets treated like such a dork. And it, I mean, at this time he really is. And I mean, at the end of the, the promo, Mankind has to assure Michael Cole that he and the rock relationship is strictly platonic. <laughs> and, uh, they announced later on the Undertaker and Big Show will defend their tag titles, which I honestly forgot they were the tag team champions. They would defend the titles against Rock and Mankind in a quote dark side rules match, which proved just to be the Rock, uh, Undertaker sits at ringside while Midian, Viscera, and Big Show fight Rock and Sock. And then Kane came out because we'd seen the Undertaker and Kane talking backstage. So it was like Kane was going to help. Help attack Rock and Salt, but then he dies off the top and he attacks Big Show, which helps Rock and Mankind win back the tag titles. And later on, Undertaker came back out and he made his full entrance again, which again is annoying. The thing with me, when people had to make multiple appearances on these shows, they'd still do their full like entrance. Like Undertaker had to have the lights out, the lights come back on, his eyes roll back and everything. Like, And we have it again with, with Triple H on this show, and we'll get to that. But like, yeah, then, I... It, it is it is very like 
time consuming to have like these lengthy entrances happen two and three and four and five times on the same show. We real we saw it a couple weeks ago as well with uh uh China, Triple H and Shane all using the same music and coming out multiple times during the course of a show. It really eats up a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time. But Undertaker does call it gain and Rock and Suck save game because Undertaker and Vista and Mindy and all that if they try to set Kane on fire, they pull out this big flicking thing and they start pouring gasoline all over Kane and then the Rock and Suck manage to, to chase them off. Uh, we had Jericho getting a win over Billy Gunn after Mr. Hughes DDT'd Billy Gunn on the outside onto an exposed bit of the, the mat like the mat had been pulled up and there was just the concrete above it. And we had Tom Pritchard filling in as referee for that match. By the way, Tom Pritchard's hair... <laughs> this week is like like gloriously bad it's like flat but it's flowing all in like weird wrong places i mean tom pritchard's hair for hall of fame for sure <laughs> yeah hey, we got a match that we sadly would never ever see again it's a shame they gave it away on raw because we had a one-time only match of the dudleys taking on the hardy boys Oh, that's a shame that we never got to see that on, like, a big stage or a pay-per-view or anything. Yeah, with no special, like, stipulation or anything like that, you know? No, yeah, I mean, you would think that these these teams would go to war, possibly over the tag team titles, if one of them ever even gets to that level. Yeah. Where they're going to be, I mean, but it's it's unfortunate, but hey, at least we got, like, a sampling of it. I mean, it's not like... It's not like they're they're going to be around for a long time either, or even be around today, so... It's, you know, it's at least we got a taste. Yeah. The uh, weird thing about this match is Steve Richards comes out later on dressed as one of the Dudley boys and stands in their corner and then ends up getting into a fight with Gangrel. But what I took away from this is a, the Acolytes were on commentary for this match and they just, they bury the Dudleys as much as they can. They just, they mention like what they did to Public Enemy and they imply they're going to do that to the Dudleys and... Bradshaw reads the three commandments of the acolytes. Thou shall not drink our beer. Thou shall not mess with our rats. And thou shall not cut a promo on the acolytes. Ooh, sant- uh, scintillating. <laughs> and then uh, Rook, Rook uh, said, Unforgiven, they're going to kick, 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 kick their ass. <laughs> uh, and Ron Sims attack, they start beating up the Dudley post match. And then he nearly drops like Stevie Richards on his head when he tries to happen with a power bomb. Like, I don't think he got him up properly the first time. It was quite, quite scary to look at. Double J's mission against all women continues. Oh, he is on the fucking warpath. I mean, we'll get into it on this episode, but holy God Almighty, is he just like swinging for the fences on this? Yeah, because uh, he had a conversation with Tess backstage, which leads to a challenge of uh, Deborah and Jeff Jarrett versus. Test and Stephanie McMahon. So this edition of Raw was basically Raw as McMahon, as I've noted it, because you've got Stephanie competing, you've got Vince in, in the opening segment, and you had the challenge of Shane and Vince in the main event. Like the McMahons are all us. We just needed Linda to complete the full set. Linda, Linda's too much of a goddamn rock star though to just show <laughs> up every week. Because you yeah. know when you hear that, when you hear that classic WrestleMania theme, you know some shit is about to get fucking real. She's the Brock Lesnar McMahon family. You can only bring her out occasionally. <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, but weirdly, 
for the last few weeks, like there was a couple of good stuff they did with she- with China and Jeter on this show, but like the build for China Jeter has been so poor. Like, and I think Jeff Jarrett's actually been doing better segments with Test. But I'd actually rather see Test challenge Jarrett for the t- the IC title. Really, it's more yeah. it's more of a sorry. I was yawning there for a second, but that just has to do with work today, not the content of what was going on on <laughs> Raw. Um, but no, yeah, I mean that's that's interesting because this is even before Test really becomes. I mean, I guess he's already had the match with Shane, but um, this is like still a little bit before Test is Test Test, you know. So, I mean. So like he said, we've had uh, Jarrett like try and like plot the figure for and Stephanie, so he's got like reason to why he gets hands on them. They've had, and they've squared off a couple in a couple of segments in the last like, week or so. So there seems to be more of a build for them than there has been like with China the last few weeks. Like so, we've got Deborah. Uh, Jarrett's hatred of women is so much that he attacks a makeup lady before the match because Deborah is taking up time by chatting to this woman in makeup. When their match is coming up, so Jarrett just shoves the wake up woman down and starts locking in the figure four. Deborah is so just like done with Jarrett's actions that she refuses to tag in. So he gets his ass kicked by Tess, and then Tess just casually tags in Stephanie. Stephanie just pins Jeff Jarrett, and then after the match, Jarrett's so annoyed that he tried he locks Deborah in the fi- the figure four. So it's like more like more over this whole like program between China and Jeff Jarrett is just like Jeff Jarrett hates all women and China is like the one woman who can stand up to him and she's like the defender of women pretty much that's what it is so like because what you see earlier on you came out with just on this it was Mike comes out with just Miss Kay so it's like obviously Deborah's like had as much as she can take at this point I mean hey good for her for you know finally I mean granted it took a figure four leg lock to <laughs> because last week they're they're out there laughing and chuckling and giggling when uh china was getting hit in the back of the head with a, a frying pan and getting a, a an apron put over her but th- this week it's like oh well you know i thought i was immune to figure four leg locks but now that i'm not jeff Jarrett can go fuck himself yeah i mean there's a there's a few like one or two segments that we can relate to when magic starts but like because there's some stuff over the hardcore in this Alston or Bossman feud that I'll talk about later on when we get to Bossman's, or when we get to Snow's match. So I'll save that. Uh, but Tess wouldn't be done on this episode because Vince, when he's coming, when he's about to make his entrance, we cut back to him, we see a forklift's been put in front of Vince's dressing room, so Vince can't get out. So Tess comes out of team with Shane against Triple H and Shayna. And midway during the and during the match, Jeff Jarrett would attack Tess and China would disappear chasing Jarrett up the ramp. So Triple H would just beat up Tess and Shane with a steel chair. Which I don't think they said it was a DQ or who won, so I just assumed it's a no contest. Then Triple H would stand up the ramp, only to turn around and get hit with a chair by Vince McMahon who would just stand there berating and slapping Triple H and that's how Raw went off the air. I mean, one thing you can definitely say about 1999 is they did excellent go-home shows, as we'll see here on the fifth episode of SmackDown. If you're following along with us on the WWE Network, that is available for an undisclosed amount of money. Uh, Like I said, from the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. Um, 
To open up the show, we see Vince McMahon come out and introduce Triple H. They stand off. But one thing I'd like to get out of the way pretty early on, because this is going to come up quite a few times, is that Michael P.S. Hayes has joined Michael Cole on commentary, and he's the worst, Um, (laughs) the absolute worst. Everything I've ever said, uh, whether it be off-air, on-air, about Booker T, David Otunga, Renee Young, uh, any any number of uh, side uh, commentators, um, all is forgiven um, because they are better than Michael P.S. Hayes. Um, and we will definitely get into that uh, as, as we go along here. Vince promises to give Triple H a full-blown migraine tonight. Um, he's very intense here and promises to get even with Hunter. Um, but it sounds like he, he got a, he got a little even, uh, on Monday when he whacked, he usually said he whacked triple H in the face with a chair. Yeah. And then there's a weird point where he's, he's bending down and shouting at him. And then every now and then he just slapped triple H randomly in the face. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and he announces that triple H will run the gauntlet tonight. Uh, against The Rock in a Brahma bull rope match, Taker in a casket match, Mankind in a boiler room brawl, Kane in an inferno match, and Big Show in a choke slam challenge match. Um, wow. I yeah. mean, you put them in there. See, uh, one thing that bothered me, though, that, I mean, we'll get into a, a little bit later, but they they say here, and then The Rock says it again later on, that this is the first time, first ever Brahma bull rope match. Uh-huh. But then it's said that like it's also like his specialty. How can it be your specialty if it's never happened before? Yeah, and they say Kane's specialty is the Inferno match when there's been two before this that Kane's had with the Undertaker, and he lost both of them. Yeah, I don't think Kane has ever won one. Like he won the one with like MVP in '06, but so it took him like at least a decade to win his own supposed specialty match. Yeah, for real. Um, so, uh, as we mentioned, Big Show is going to get his Chokeslam Challenge match, uh, which apparently that's a thing. And he comes out first to face Triple H in that Chokeslam Challenge match. And spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, Triple H can't lift the 500-pound, 7-foot-tall Big Show. And who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Who says wrestling isn't based in reality? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um... Triple H can't do it, uh, and Big Show choke slams him, making Triple H 0-1. Big Show choke slams Triple H again and goes for it a third time, but then China makes the save, rolling Triple H out, saving him a little bit for the uh, upcoming matches. Uh, other than the, you know, duh of it all, what did you make of the choke slam challenge match here? Yeah, well, it's a good thing they we should mention that Vince said Triple H doesn't have to win all five matches he just has to win three of them uh, and you could tell like as soon as Big Show was in that first one like yeah he's not going to win this one because like if he had to win all five then he'd have to find a way from a beat the Big Show and like at least like this one's like like you said like it's more realistic for Triple H to lose this one than it would be to win like one of the other ones that he's got coming up yeah, it, all these sort of made sense as the night moved on, which I, I is like a big compliment to them being able to put um, one guy in five matches and have to hear his fucking music and see his fucking entrance. Never mind, we'll get into it. Uh, the Dudley boys are shown jumping the refs that are on strike. Um, Particularly Teddy Longville, which I believe there's going to be some payback in the form of a tag team match, player. Playa, playa. It's going to happen. <laughs> 
It's definitely going to happen. Michael Cole, though, uh, Michael Cole said something that uh, really like made me stop and take notice here. Um, he says that Smack, and I quote, SmackDown has invaded the Big D. <laughs> Just going to let that one sink in for everybody here. Pretty sure that was He's, the title of one of Val Venus's movies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, hey, yeah, I guess 1999, <laughs> 20 years ago, man, it was certainly was a different time. Jericho is with Lillian Garcia next says he can't wait to see Shamrock's blood and says that we will never, ever see Chris Jericho's blood tonight. So, you know, that's a promise. He's made it. Anything about uh, anything from your perspective uh, as far as uh, Jericho's run here so far uh, that we're seeing here on SmackDown? I'm enjoying Jericho so far like as a heel. Like The sooner he's away from Curtis Hughes, the better. And when I seen the announcement of the first blood match, I'm thinking, like, yeah, because this show was really lacking in gimmick matches. So it's a good thing Jericho is here to give us another gimmick match. Yeah, I, I think that the show would have been way too normal without this first blood match on it for sure. It's not like... It's not like they had like a like a, a casket match or like a like an infernal match coming up or anything or even a boiler room brawl like we haven't seen one of those in years, uh, yeah. but I mean I guess it's still going to be a while till we see another one. And you know, um, once, you, once you see one Bramaville rope match, you've seen them all. Oh, I mean, isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, <laughs> WWF European Championship match uh, is up next. X Pac is up against Sexual Chocolate Mark Henry, uh, but before the match can start getting going. Uh, you better recognize because D'Lo Brown is coming out and uh, and he's joining commentary. Uh, he says on commentary that um, when this is all said and done, he will be the European champion. Um, and I hope so. I love hearing where he's residing in Europe yeah, um, yeah. for every match. I do miss that a lot. Um, and obviously, Henry dominates X-Pac um, until he misses an elbow drop. X-Pac starts to mount an offense. Uh, tries to make a comeback a little bit um, until he's distracted with the referee, Tom Pritchard, and his glorious hair, that <laughs> glorious mop that is on his head. If I could even try to get my hair to look like that again, I would use that as a benchmark because, my goodness, this man's hair. Um, and then Henry ends up getting counted out after he gets uh, blindsided after trash-talking D'Lo. He takes his eyes off the prize there. Um, they square off, and uh, D'Lo gets thrown into the post. The bump he took off this post, though. My goodness. Um, what were your thoughts on... I mean, this is more of an angle, I guess, than a match. I mean, it's sort of like 50-50. Um, but what did, you, what did you make of X-Pac versus Sexual Chocolate, Mark Henry, and the involvement of D'Lo Brown? I was going to say, uh, I saved the segment for this point. Uh, the rivalry between D'Lo and Mark Henry has really started to heat up. On this past week's episode of Raw, where he had D'Lo uh, being interviewed and he was talking about the fr their friendship and how Mark Henry treated him, and then Mark Henry would attack him during his interview. And then a little bit later on, we'd see D'Lo getting in his car, obviously going to look for Mark Henry. And then uh, towards the end of the show, we would be in what was supposed to be a quote strip club, but it looked like a regular bar that they managed to put a stage and a pole in and got some like local women to pretend to be strippers. Because like there's all these pool tables in the background, so like this is just a bar they've tried to renovate, make it look more fancy. And then Mark Cameron just there getting a lap dance, and then just from off screen, Deal just dies onto him, starts attacking him. <laughs> I do love those like from off screen onto on screen dives. 
they're they're just they always make me laugh. I'm it doesn't matter how serious it's supposed to be or whatnot. Like, did you happen to catch that uh that video on uh, the AEW's YouTube where uh, Joey Janela got into a fight in front of Blink One Eighty Two again? But like, yeah. Darby Allen or no, it might have been Havoc, but uh one of them jumps from like right under the camera into the frame and it just it almost looked like he was just propelled from like a rubber band you know like he just snapped out there it yeah. always always makes me laugh always makes yeah. me laugh yeah, the best the best one at the moment is Roderick strong because the way you can just dive into frame with a knee like i remember i think it was mustache mountain after they won the tag titles from undisputed era they were, they were set to face a couple of jobbers and the jobbers are standing around and they just from out of nowhere Roger Strong just dies and knees one of the jobbers right in the head just from out of nowhere. Just <laughs> X-Pac is really surprising because like, I think this is the first time we've seen him since he did that segment where he essentially he decided to take with Kane they needed to take a break and X-Pac just disappeared and now he's back and getting a European title shot. So it was random to see him here. Like, X-Pac also with a classic bit of product placement coming down with that energy drink in his hands. It was clearly in focus of the camera. Oh, oh yeah, the the surge energy drink or whatever it is, or yeah. like whatever the thing that he was drinking. He's he's had it for a couple of weeks now, and it's like, ooh, dude. I mean, just shove it right in the camera, why don't you? Yeah, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. There was one from Raw. It said Employee of the Month at the SmackDown Hotel, <laughs> and uh, there was one later on in the show. I can't remember exactly where, so I'm just going to mention it now. It's a sign that says, Mike Rayner got me fired. Okay. So yeah. this man has a He clearly thought the UPN audience needed to know about this injustice. Yeah, for real. I mean, I guess, uh, fuck you, Mike Rayner. I, I don't know. Um, next up, uh, Luna Vachon. I'm sorry. Luna Vachon is with Lillian Garcia. Um, and uh, she thanks Ivory, but challenges her to a, a match in her style. Hardcore style. And um, hopefully that match gets uh, picked up before Sunday. Um, uh, we'll find out, I guess, through the course of the show. Yeah. Uh, um, Luna Vachon just has the voice of a Disney villain. Like from like the, when we're back in the early in the 80s or the 70s, when you had those old, old Disney films like her, the over-the-top villains. That's what Luna Vachon sounds like to me. And they they had a segment on Raw where I already came out. She got she got not a good promo. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. The promo was bad. Talking talk about how Texas smells like urine and all that. <laughs> and she pretty much once said she wanted to face Luna Unforgiven, and then but she first wanted to do, throw out a challenge to give help give prestige back to the WF Women's Title. So she decided to challenge some woman in the crowd who then. Surprise, surprise, turned out to be Luna in disguise, and Luna just you're in a non-tail match in like under a minute. Uh, I mean, I, okay, so we, we were talking we were talking about how they know how to do go-home shows, and you know, some things in 1999 really like worked. Uh, you know, I guess you can't be perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, next out, uh, Jeff Jarrett appears uh, with Miss Kitty, says that it's a man's world and women are weak. I mean, finally somebody's out there speaking for the men in the crowd. Am I right? I mean, just out there really just appearing for the fellas. Um, It says he's going to bitch slap China on Sunday, um, which, okay, cool. Um, uh, Jeff turns on a stage manager at ringside and uh, eventually 
tells her to clean up the mess, do what women do best and go in there and clean. And as she's about to get started, Jeff runs right in and tries to get her in a figure four. But China runs out and hits uh, Double J with a frying pan and takes his pants off. Um, she then says, you're going to see and I've wor- I put this down verbatim. You're going to see who's wearing the pants and who's wearing the IC title. Thanks for coming, China. Appreciate your time there, Joni. Um, what what did you make of this little promo segment here and the viciousness of one Jeffrey Jarrett? I could tell a mile away, like, they're going to make her wearing the pants joke, aren't they? When she started taking his pants off, like, I could see that coming. Like, you could tell that's the kind of thing, like, a Russe, that's only like Vince Russo would write. But, like, I love how whenever Jarrett comes out the last few weeks, it's, he always seems to be the commentator, it always seems so shocked, like, well, he's not meant to be here. Like, I like the idea that Jared just comes out whenever he wants. He just goes, just does what he wants. Like, whenever they shine a symbol of a man slapping a woman in the face in the sky, Double J will appear. <laughs> wherever there's a domestic dispute, Double J is is there. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Next up, we have the Inferno match. Kane taking on Triple H. Um, one thing that you, I always find about these inferno matches is that like when the flames shoot up they always really like it's just such a cool aesthetic they Mm -hmm. always look really great but what isn't great is michael michael ps hayes on commentary ugh just ugh i found myself like shouting shut up michael ps hayes at my screen like multiple times during the show and during this match was one of them x-pac appears though midway through the match and uh he appears beaten on the stage by Undertaker, Kane leaps onto Viscera and Mid- uh, Midian uh, onto the outside and catches fire. Um, and then while he's on fire, instead of putting himself out because he's been burned before and will be burned again, I assume, um, he goes and checks on X-Pac, but then gets like extinguished uh, while he's on the stage and then gets mad at the guy who extinguished him. I don't know. Um, uh, Bloody Triple H is now one and one. Uh, I didn't catch where... Triple H's nose got busted open. Did you happen to catch that? No, I don't think I did. I don't think I, I think I barely noticed it. But like, I've seen a lot of Triple H, so I think that's probably why. Like, like this is true friendship goals, is it not? Like, someone who cares more about you than their hand being on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what? Did, I mean, what did you make of the match? Uh, as it stood. Yeah, I like the match. Uh. Obviously, it's weird to have an Inferno match just, like, on free TV, and I did like, I like the look of it. I agree with what you said about Michael Hayes, like, all of how, like, Jerry Lawler, we, you can say what you want about him, like, we're crying for the return of the mis- clear misogynist and pervert towards the women in the, of, the, of, the, of, the ro- of the roster, rather than just listening to Michael P.S. Hayes, like, it goes to show, like, how bad Michael P.S. Hayes is as a commentator. Yeah, I mean, I mean, th- I, hopefully he's not sticking around for too much longer because, woof. <laughs> um, yeah. After after the break, uh, Kane and X Pac are shown backstage. Kane is just having a fit about his friend being beaten up. The the look, by the way, I didn't mention this uh, during the Inferno match, but when his head gets pulled up and he's like all bloodied all over the place, really quite a, a striking visual that was that he was so beaten up and bloodied. It just it looked really brutal. Yeah. Um, and then, um, it cuts to Taker with, uh, like the remnants of his, uh, ministry there, 
um, and says that they're done for the night and there won't be a casket match because uh, no one commands him to do anything. And uh, he does what he wants. He does what he wants. He smokes crack pot and potpourri. Um, <laughs> if anyone if anyone else gets that reference, we're not friends forever. Um, Vince tells Taker that uh, he won't be in the six-pack challenge if he's not in the casket match. Taker's like, eh, fuck you, and leaves. Um, so um, then The Rock appears out in um, out in the arena. The Rock has suddenly appeared and says, Triple H needs to go back to the drawing board because his, his game absolutely sucks. Uh, and, you know, all these catchphrases are super over. Um, they're really really out there just trying to get all these catchphrases over and the audience is way, way behind him. Rock promised uh, some Dallas Stars players uh, that uh, he would whip Triple H's monkey ass if he can borrow the Stanley Cup, shine it up, and stick it up Triple H's ass. Now, may I have the floor for just a moment as a fan of hockey? Sure. Okay. As a fan of hockey, I know for a fact Lord Stanley was doing backflips in his grave at the idea of an, of one man shining up the, the, the prestigious Stanley Cup and shoving it up another man's ass. I don't usually get defensive about my sports, but leave the Stanley Cup alone. Take the Lombardi Trophy. Or something. Everybody knows how like useless it is. Whatever. Who cares? You know? It just, you know, take that title, shine it up real nice, and shove it up somebody's ass. Not the Stanley Cup. Leave it to where it is. Please. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Mankind then appears. He uh, he brought Rock a cup to protect the people's jewels, which didn't they make an agreement that they were going to stay friends as long as uh, Mankind never spoke about his genitals? <laughs> I thought that was a clear rule that, that Rock had set down. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what to tell you, but I do love, he's like, I don't know who this Stanley guy is, but if you need a cup, I've got one for you. <laughs> uh, he says he says that he's he brought the cup out to protect uh, the people's jewels so they can see a Rocky Jr. someday. Dude, what? Like, why so weird, Mick? Um, he says he's going to take a pipe, shine it up real nice, and hit Hunter over the head with it. Because Rock got in his face about stealing the catchphrases, finally. This is all just building so nicely. Um, I mean, the Rock's are going to send Mecca cease and desist at this point. Rock, Rocky's going to sue somebody at this point. Like, he's he's getting out there. He's ready to ready to really just, like, start with some legal action here. Because, I mean, Mankind is just, like, taking everything from him right and left. Uh, all of a sudden, then, Road Dog appears. Um, says that they're overlooking the fact that they're tag champs. And he has a reservation at the SmackDown Hotel. Now, we're here. I didn't see uh, Road Dog l- around anywhere. I mean, did you see him out in the hall? Was he shitting in the icebox? What's going no. on? Uh, I thought they didn't allow pets at the SmackDown Hotel. That's what I thought. I mean, you know, I've had, I always have to leave my, my dog in the car when we come here. Um, with, don't worry, the windows are down. Um, he reunites then with Mr. S. Um, and the challenge has been laid down. For the WWF Tag Team Championships. Before we get into the match uh, that takes place directly after this, what did you think about this promo segment? Yeah, I like the what the Rock and Mac. It's more of the same that we've seen, and it's obviously entertaining this early. I've talked about that promo from Raw. One important bit of information I need to point out, and you may have yourself forgotten, Jimmy, and people listening to this may have forgotten, but I don't know if you remember, but I meant, mentioned it before a few weeks ago. Edge and Christian became number one contenders for the tag team titles. And they are pretty, I think if they get their titles, you're like Unforgiven. But like, 
you'd be forgiven for forgetting that because we had we've had the Undertaker and Big Show win the tag titles back. We've had the Rock and Salt win them back, and now they're defending them against it was when it was been back a full two seconds. Like I'd be pissed off if I was Asian Christian. Yeah, for real. I mean, how do you prepare? for a match when your opponents change like every couple of days. Like, I mean, this is like what last week there were new champions and Monday there was new champions. And now Thursday there are new champions. And it's like, by the time you hit the pay-per-view, you, you, you're going to be wrestling fucking Jericho in the think, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I would love to see them get a tag title run. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's just going to show, like the position of the tight division and possibly like Edge and Christian are not as seen as in high regards. They probably would be later on. And that the fact that the tag champs have no more contenders, but they're also in the main event of Unforgiven, and they're putting way more focus on that than on when they're going to defend the tag titles next against the guys who earned like their title shot. Because you remember we had that gauntlet that descended into chaos, then we had to have another match. So they went through all that effort to crowd no more contenders to then forget about them. Yeah, for real. I mean, they it, it, we were in a like a state of flux there for a few weeks where you couldn't figure out who was the number one contender for anything. And they finally started nailing that stuff down as we started getting closer to the pay-per-view. But now, like, not even really a mention of Edge and Christian mm-hmm. here. Like, I mean. I, think, I don't even know if they've wrestled since they, they became number one contenders. Yeah, no, I, I don't remember seeing them at all. Um, but uh, next up, uh, as we discussed, is the WWF Tag Team title match. The New Age Outlaws taking on the champions, the Rock and Sock Connection. Um, people love Rocky. I mean, people yeah. just love him. He is over like Rover doesn't even begin to explain it. He is over like Rocky. Like, no <laughs> one was ever this over. I mean, Austin came close, but it, it boils down to like a glass shatter pop most of the time. This is a sustained, like... Rocky, 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 Chen. And that's fantastic to see. Michael P.S. Hayes, though, still terrible. Yes. He he ruined the reveal of the was getting back together. Like, he's not together. They're not together. They can't be. Are they together? Yes, they're together. Like, shut up. I know a lot of people lately have been giving Michael Cole, like, in 2019, a lot of people have been giving Michael Cole a little bit of shit for the way that he, like, reacts when the fiend shows up and that it ruins it a little bit michael fucking hayes takes the goddamn cake on this one like somebody somebody tell this man to like dial it back and let the show like that that was like my my whole problem with him is that like he like reverted back to like 95 96 michael ps hayes when he would do commentary and it's just like the 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 business has moved on a little bit like let the show play out in front of us instead of describing every little thing but, you know, say lovey. Yeah, I mean, uh, Laura says a comment you think is a bit far on comedy. You just think, what's the alternative? Yeah. I guess. I mean, like, was Lawler running for uh, mayor at this point? Or why wasn't he there? I don't know. Just maybe they were trying new teams to again make the make SmackDown a bit different from Raw. Because he was on Raw, as usual. So I don't see why he wasn't on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there are low blows everywhere in this match. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just like, I think mankind headbutts Mister Ass in in the dong, and then there's like uh like a leg drop, I believe, at one point on onto like the lower portion of the body. Um, but you know, it works fine. Whatever. They work over Road Dog's back uh for a long period of time in this match until eventually he gets the hot tag to Mister Ass. But it is 
like molten hot this this tag. I mean, he's going like too fast at one point. Like he needed to slow down, sort of maximize his moments a little bit more here instead of like because it looked like Rocky had a, uh, even like a problem trying to keep up with him at one point. It seemed like he was sort of rushing spots. Um, Mr. S uh, sends mankind into Rock though. Um, who's on the apron and gets a famouser and the new age outlaws become four time tag team champions of the world. And that's going to spell the end of the rock and sock connection, having the tag belts here. Um, I mean, Hey, what the, this ending, this match ending was uh, pretty invent- inventive seemed to work out for him. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was, it was pretty decent. Like they work over a uh, road dog from a stick cause they, they do point out, like, is, is Road Dog coming back too soon? Because he apparently did have a legit back injury and he was, when he was written off when Jericho attacked him. Uh, I think they just did what I believe is the premise of format for most outlaw matches, and that Road Dog gets worked over and comes Billy Gunn for the hot tie. Because as good as Road Dog is on the mic, Billy Gunn's always been the better in ring guy. And I just like, I like to think when Billy Gunn went for that splash, the rock in the corner, he's just thinking, this is for SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is for what this is for what could have been after King of the Ring. Yeah, I did like a spot where they were going to do kind of a double Irish whip spot. It said uh, Man King countered Road Dog's part, so the Rock manages to catch Road Dog in a rock bottom. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Like uh, for a little bit there, because uh, I had no uh, recollection of like the the Outlaws winning the, the belts back again here so for i bit for it when he was setting up for the uh for the rock bottom and then when mr ass sends mankind into the rock who's on the apron towards the end and hits him with the famouser i was like oh shit okay so it even popped me a little bit 20 years on yeah i think it's a case of uh, i don't know if they want to put the belts back on the accolades the dudleys the hardys and edge Christian are all fairly new and i think the rock and stock are gonna be kind of focusing more on the main event like picture, so I think it was a case. Plus, I think then the side chance was only going to going to be a short term thing. So I think I think like, okay, what legit tie teams can we have the titles on? I ah, was just put the outlaws back together, even though they broke up a few months ago because we were so sure Billy was going to be a single star. Yeah, and they, they mentioned that a little bit on commentary too, which I, I got to commend them for that. Uh, that they were at each other's throats um, a couple months back, but. At the end of the day, it comes down to winning championships, and you go with the devil you know rather than the devil you don't. And uh, I always loved the New Age Outlaws. I love that they got to do their little entrance gimmick um, after they won the tag belts back. I still love it to this day. Still know how to do it. Still love doing, love seeing the the Outlaws be the Outlaws in '99. And Billy Gunn's hair wasn't fucking atrocious this week, so <laughs> it's a win. It's a win, win, win. As to quote. Professor Hulk from Endgame. I see this as a total win. <laughs> Next up, yeah. Vince Vince McMahon is with Midian and Viscera backstage, and he tells them that the casket match will now be a handicap match, while Triple H uh, says, I will fight till my last breath. Um, so are we starting to see maybe like a face Triple H here a little bit? I don't know. It, there was a lot of mixed signals coming from Triple H tonight. Yeah, because I remember the start and the whole purpose is like Triple H maybe getting his comeuppance because he's he's made so many enemies and he's gonna have to face all of them individually if he wants the Ernie shot to get the belt back. But then as the night goes on, you're like, this is really something like seeing face Vince do this to a heel is so weird. Like heel Vince 
doing it to someone like Austin, that would have made like a hell of a lot more sense. And as the night goes on, like you know, like like you're starting to feel sorry for Charlie, even though he is like the bad guy and he has done all this horrible stuff. Like even commentary, like even Michael Gold still highlights like Triple H pretty much did this to himself. The even commentary is starting to like feel a bit bad for Triple H. Yeah, it's very it's very strange that like just last week we were seeing him be like an utter utter prick to Vince and Linda and Stephanie and Shane, all these people. He was just being a prick to everybody, and now it's I'll fight till my last breath and blah blah blah. This was this is my destiny, you know, you know onwards and upwards and whatever else, you know. Um, but that that moves us directly into the now two on one casket match, Midian and Viscera taking on the game triple h and you and just by reading my notes here um i obviously was very frustrated because word for word i wrote slightly more selling full entrance ugh all in capitals triple h gets another full entrance here i think for the third time tonight um really racking up really getting in your mind that theme song and you're really gonna know if you didn't know before which how could you have missed it at this point but you know, if you didn't know before, you will fucking know now for sure. Um, every, t- every time I close my eyes, I'm gonna hear that theme song now. Yeah, I mean, I'm searching for another song in my head so we don't end up playing it at the end of this episode, but who knows? Um, Hunter immediately attacks Viscera and then gets double teamed. Uh, Viscera misses a splash, China low blow, Midian in the casket, and it appears that Triple H has won. All of a sudden, Shane appears and says that. Triple H will need to get both of his opponents into the casket at the same time, which I don't know um, if anyone's described um, like spatial awareness to Shane, <laughs> but I don't think Viscera was getting in that alone, let alone with Midian in there. N- mm-hmm. Not to shit talk the guy, but he is like 600 pounds at this point, and he's a big boy. Of course, you know, here we go back to today in Duh News. They crush Triple H. He gets thrown into the casket and he loses. Triple H is now one to two. And uh, he now has to win the next two matches or he is out of the six-pack challenge this Sunday at Unforgiven. Uh, What did you make of the handicap casket match uh, here? The fifth match of this this night on SmackDown. As I was saying, like, about Triple H looking more phases than anyone. And this was the main, like, turn point, like, I think his third singles match gets sent into a handicap match, and then it looks like he's won. But then they change they change the rules almost, and then he's in a must-win situation for his next two matches. And it almost like we we've talked about how Triple H is maybe not exactly yet fully the game. He's not the Triple H we might remember as the top peel. You'll probably get there in like a year or so, but it's quite clear he's still not there yet. Because one week he's losing to Vince McMahon. And this week he's losing to Viscera and Midian. Like the one title, single title Midian's ever held, he found in Vincent Man's bag in Shane's bag. Like, and well, Viscera, like I like Viscera, but it's only because of how shit he is. And like, and they're beating Triple H. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see more of a concentrated effort to make him the top guy, no matter where that lands him whether it be face or heel um but i mean at this fucking point with these entrances and like the conflicting sort of like now i'm a face i'm gonna fight till my last breath mentality is just 
lot of a lot of weird left turns and different directions that they went in. But I mean, they're making a concentrated effort, so you know, good on them, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can say that we're not going to see the Undertaker for quite a quite a few months now. After I'm pretty sure he's he's off now. Pretty sure he had an injury in like real life. Yeah, I think this is uh he still has like the bone spurs or the uh, like the shards of the bone in his in his ankle or his foot still. And then there's like a couple other nagging injuries that he's been they've been sort of having him hold off for a while. But I think this might be it uh, for a little bit, I think, until maybe early 2000 when, you know, he comes back in some other form. Next up, Ivory is with Lillian. And says that although Luna, I mean, this is a great promo, but this is all I've written down for it. She says, although Luna is an animal, she accepts the challenge because she does not want Luna embarrassing the belt. Um, which I, th- I mean, this this promo is very, very strong from Ivory. I, I like seeing her back at this point. Um, and she's just a, she's just all over, like just a pro. She's just mm-hmm. like so, so good here. Um, so we're gonna get a hardcore style match at Unforgiven for the women's title. Yeah. Should be interesting. Yeah, we I mean, was better than our promo from Raw, and I'm interested to see what happens because, like, the women's division isn't like uh, is that deep at the moment. Especially not for like credit women who can put on like a decent enough match. Like, we had a hardcore match with Tori and Ivory a few weeks ago on Raw, and that was okay. But I think the first part of it was like played for last and straight until Ivory got vicious towards the end. So I'm interested to see like how this match like plays out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it should be interesting to see what happens when we hit the pay-per-view uh, this Sunday. Um, Hardcore Holly uh, and Crash Holly come out. Um, Hardcore says that uh, he did uh, Al Snow a favor by beating up the big boss man and calls him out. And then Al Snow appears, um, which leads us into a match. Uh, I mean, the promo was a little bit of nothing. Did it? I mean, did anything really stand out or can we just move right into the match? Nothing really stand out of the promo, but I should... Uh, say about what happened on Raw. We had uh, first of all, we we cameras cut to outside of a cemetery, and then we cut turn the cameras turn around and we cut across the road to the cemetery, where we see Al Snow holding a funeral for the remains of Pepper standing there with the two Rottweilers. And he apologised to Pepper that they wouldn't, that they weren't, they didn't allow him to bury Pepper in the regular cemetery, and they threatened to call the cops on him. And he's delivering this whole eulogy about threat, promising to get revenge on what the boss man did. Although it is kind of undercut because the last week of his promo, obviously one of the Rottweilers is seen either like a car drive by or somebody nearby and just starts barking throughout the last week of his promo. And we get a GTV still because the footage is apparently so heinous we, we weren't allowed to show the actual footage. But it's basically a still of Bossman going back later on and pissing on Pepper's grave. Oh, Lord. He is basically the Dr. Evil of the WWF at this point. Uh, yeah, and funny that you mentioned that because uh, once once the match starts, all of a sudden up on the Titantron, Dr. Evil himself, the big boss man, is saw, is seen just taunting dogs that are locked inside of a car. Mm-hmm. And the and... voice the voice of reason, Michael Cole, is like, where are the trainers? What is going on here? Uh, um, I should, should mention uh, kind of the bruising around... Both man's eye, like they were having a ma- kind of a hardcore almost match. At least they didn't really seem to like acknowledge the regular rules of a match when uh, it was Boss Man versus uh, Hardcore Holly. And Torquil just grabs like a picture that's on next to JR at the contest and just properly smashes it right into 
Bossman's face. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, Holly ends up get, uh, for this match that happens. Uh, Holly ends up getting the uh, the win after a distraction from Crash, uh, and then Bossman comes out and attacks Snow and uh, shoves dog food down his throat. This is a thing, ladies and gentlemen. 1999. We're hardcore, <laughs> and we feed each other dog food in a feud. Just, just get through the paper. You get through the kennel from hell, and hopefully and we can end this feud. Yeah, hopefully it'll be over, and then we can move into dead dads instead of dead dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you won't. He's not kicking anyone's dad, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't even know what to think anymore at this point, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, immediately, we're going into the Boiler Room Brawl. Mankind versus Triple H. Um, referee is in the back. I believe, was this Tom Pritchard again? Yeah. Tom Pritchard back with that fucking beautiful hair. Um, he lets Triple H in to the Boiler Room, who asks... Well, where's Mankind? And he goes, man, he's already in there. And he gets attacked for some reason, and I don't exactly know why, but the only thing that was playing through my head, and hopefully we can play this in the background as I explain it, like as we talk about the match, it would be great if we could play this in the background. The itchy and scratchy theme started playing (laughs) through my head where they fight. They fight, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight, they fight. I mean, there's a bag of nails and bolts and just weapons, 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 suplexed onto the nails and bolts, and then some attempted murder, you know, because why not? Why not? Um, yeah. Mandible Claw goes uh, goes like way too far up onto like the roof like, or like a ceiling over some sort of part. Like he's obviously too far away from Triple H to hit him if you were to do an elbow drop. Um, But he gets, like, hit from behind and crashes through a table near Triple H. Triple H gets up and barely escapes and becomes 2-2 in this war of attrition and war for my sanity. Luckily, we didn't get a full entrance. (laughs) That doesn't last too much longer. What did you make of the boiler room brawl here? Yeah, I like the idea that Triple H said, like, so I just had to come back at the room. Since the door shut, he immediately tries to open it again, hopefully just end the match, which would have been which would have been a funny way to stay in the match, like, oh, I'm back out again. But uh, I actually had to rewind the, the spot with Mankind getting, like, pushed off because I almost, like, the pole was just so, like, near the bottom of the frame that you almost, I almost didn't see it. So I thought Mankind, like, decided to die there and just say, just, oh, I'm just going to put myself to this random table over here because he was definitely too far away. He really was. And, I mean, this is a guy who just got thrown off of the top of a cell a year prior and he's still jumping off things through tables to a concrete floor and just poor Mick, you know, <laughs> poor Mick. Next up, Vince adds the British Bulldog to the six pack challenge and has made the special guest ref for the Brahma bull rope match. Um, I mean, he's he's out just. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped ahead there. Uh, all we see here is British Bulldog is looking for Vince at mm-hmm. first. Um, I skipped totally over the first blood match. I don't know why I did that. Um, long day. Um, we're going to see the first blood match next. Um, by the way, British Bulldog in that like gym casual like attire. I never I never tire of it. Never, not <laughs> even once. Um, but we're going to get the first blood match next. Ken Shamrock versus Chris Jericho. 
Um, <laughs> uh, Shamrock is coming out. He's in his regular ring gear, just looking like a Terminator, as he always does. Um, but then Y2J comes out in Buffalo Sabres gear, which, like, God damn it! Like, Jericho's just so good at, like, making people hate him in 1999. I mean, he's really good at it in 2019 as well. Uh, go back in the archives. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he comes out in Buffalo Sabres gear, um, who I believe the Dallas Stars beat that year or were bitter rivals against within the NHL uh, that year. Harvey Whippleman is our ref. And Shamrock throws Jericho around by the mask. I mean, that looked really cool. That mm-hmm. looked really, really cool where he was just sort of whipping him around, picking him up by the gear instead of, like, dragging him around by his hair. Speaking of hair, there, Jericho had that, like, one little, like, man bun part sticking out of the top of the middle of the uh, that, that hockey mask. <laughs> Popped me, for sure. <laughs> Popped me 110%. If, you know, if he could be less fat, bloated, drunk today and more this um jericho i'd I'd probably still love him a little bit more than i do um but uh curtis hughes then coming comes in and interferes and jericho attacks with the hockey stick after a splash in all of the gear shamrock starts to bleed from the mouth and jericho wins the first blood match um this was just a whole bunch of fun uh from start to finish um and we get some sort of vindication on seeing um Ken Shamrock bust out the uh, the old internal bleeding stuff. So, how how did you like the first blood match moving forward? Yeah, I really like the match. But uh, Jimmy, are you sitting down? I am. I'm actually reclining back now. Good. Oh, kind of because I I, I hate to break this to you. This is Ken Shamrock's last appearance in the WWF. <sighs> I I, I mean. If I had a beer with me right now, I'd be pouring it out from my homie, my main man, Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Let us, I mean, let us all just reflect on all of the great times that we've had just watching Ken Shamrock back in the day. Iron Circles and uh, what was it? D- the the match in the dungeon and yeah, Lion, Lion's, Lion's Den, Den matches. I mean, thanks. I mean, we just, all we can say really is Shamrock, thanks for the memories. Thank you. Now we move on to we're, Vince. We have to dry our tears now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to give you a second here, just if you could, if you want to wipe away your tears. I mean, I'm I'm holding it in the best I can, and just going to try and pull through. I mean, we're going to miss you, Kenny. We're going to miss you, buddy. Um, Vince, this is where Vince adds British Bulldog to the six pack challenge and has made the guest ref for the Brahma Bull Rope match, um, because he finally finds Vince. Um, uh, not before, like I said, because you know. Gotta, <laughs> gotta learn to read my own handwriting sometimes. Um, next up is the Brahma Bull Rope match, and it is our main event of the evening. And it was The Rock versus Triple H. Obviously, this is the The Rock's specialty, even though this is the first time this match is ever happening. Um, special guest ref is the British Bulldog, as we said. Um, 
first and foremost, I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you, um, as a like member of the UK, whether or not you agree or disagree to be a member of the UK, um, what the fuck is up with British Bulldogs music here? Is this just the network doing it or is this, uh, what do you, what he actually came out to? I have no idea what this was because I knew, I think he's the, the theme he came out to when he first came back was pretty much similar to the one he came, he used to have, but I have no idea what, what this was. Like, I think I've fairly, like, may faintly heard a bit of his old theme in there, but I have no idea what this was. He went from God save the queen to God, somebody get the queen some help. She's obviously having a bad acid trip. Mm-hmm. Someone's holding uh, the queen's head underwater, clearly, with this theme yeah. song. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, somebody please save her. Um, <laughs> but then Triple H gets a goddamn full entrance again. And my teeth, my teeth are grating back and forth at this point watching this episode of, of SmackDown. I'm loving the episode so far. But if I have to hear this fucking music anymore, I mean, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I, I do credit like the new layer of the network, which is actually skip segments. But the one thing I would improve upon is, like, Triple H's entrances should be saying to their own so I can skip ahead and not have to sit through them each time. Because I just start tuning out of his entrances every time. And... Um, they, uh, so they end up fighting uh, through the crowd around ringside. Um, and, you know, one final time tonight, he, not to be denied, Michael P.S. Hayes can't seem to get enough of the British Bulldog and his arms. Um, in this match, I, I, I mean, we get it. The dude was juicing. Stop pointing it out. I mean, I allegedly. Mean, I mean, you gotta think Vince is backstage and really look at him. Talk about those arms. Look at the size of them. He's just screaming into uh, Hayes's headset, just like, talk about those goddamn arms. They're big and they're beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> Double Jake runs out. He appears and attacks China with a frying pan and escapes. Bulldog attack. Bulldog comes and just turns on the rock, rips open his referee shirt. Triple H with the pedigree. Triple H is in the six pack challenge. We go off the air as Bulldog, Triple H, China. They all pose on the stage. Bulldog is turned on the rock. He's turned on the fans of the WWF, spitting in everybody's face. Why, oh, why, oh, why has he done this? I guess we're going to have to find out on the pay per view because now we're going to have the British Bulldog. In this six-pack challenge match. So, I mean, Triple H finally has some backup here in the form of the British Bulldog. And anything can happen. What did you make of the main event? And give us your rating. Well, I think The Rock has learned a viable lesson. Never have a guest referee when you're facing Triple H. Because it happened with Shawn Michaels in the first episode. And it happened here again. It's like, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. But, like... The match was a decent enough match. Like half the time, one of them wasn't even attached to the the rope, because like Triple H when he hit the pedigree, he was not even attached to the rope. So like it was decent, but I think the main takeaway was obviously Bulldogs, uh, Bulldogs turning on him. Uh, but as far as the rating goes, I was worried when I seen all everything that's happened. Like this is give like you remember like episode two of SmackDown, we were talking about how everything was so overbooked. Like Triple H and Shane and China were always coming out again and again. Everything just seemed like far too overbooked, but I actually really enjoyed this. Like, it's like weirdly placed. Uh, Triple H was almost in a babyface position with at least five matches. I really enjoyed it, and well, I'm just gonna say I can't give us anything other than a, a thumbs up. 
Alrighty, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree again. This is another thumbs up episode. Uh, despite hearing Triple H's theme ten thousand times, um, <laughs> we got new tag champs. I love the New Age Outlaws. I'm always gonna be a fan of them. Getting something during the show, so that's always good. Uh, the use of Triple H, despite having to hear his theme a whole handful of times, despite all of that, the use of Triple H was really good on this show. Vince was awesome on this show. Uh, commentary was pretty good, minus Michael P.S. Hayes. D'Lo was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of upside. I mean, 2019 SmackDown Raw, I'm looking directly at you here. This is how you do a go-home show. This is, like, solid. It didn't feel like a two-hour show. I mean, it just sort of flew by. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a big old thumbs-up for me. Um, and... Next and next time we record an episode, next time we check ourselves into the SmackDown Hotel, we're going to be checking ourselves into the Unforgiven Hotel because that's what we're doing next. Nathan will be joining us. We got all the checks signed and the contracts all signed up and sent over to, to Nathan's people. He's going to be joining us for Unforgiven 99 where we're going to have the six-pack challenge. We're going to have the Kennel from Hell match. We're going to have a hardcore-style women's match. It's going to be one hell of a show. Um, Na- uh, Nathan's going to be there, like I said. Uh, but Scott, why don't you go ahead and give us your plugs? Because you, on your other show, have quite the doozy of a two-part episode up this week. Yeah, that's, uh, you can find my podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, at SB Rambling on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast. And we weren't intending on making a two-part episode, but the episode as a whole was like three hours and Anchor uh, wouldn't wouldn't take the file because it was so big so we had to split it in two and it was technically a show of two halves anyway. Uh, part one of our latest episode, you can hear me and my friend Paul chat and like some Darren Travis wrestling and TV shows I've recently gotten to the good place. So we talked quite a bit about that. Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. I don't mean to cut your plug off. I love the good place. Let's talk about how great the good place is. I mean, I'm only on, like, episode six of, like, season one. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and, like, I wanted to watch something and have something on in the background while I was doing some housework, and I ended up catching the first three episodes of it, and I kept watching. So I'm very, very early in, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to give anything away because it's one of those shows that you just sort of have to experience on your own, but it's it's fantastic, and we'll definitely chat about it a little bit more once you're uh more caught up the final season is premiering this this fall though so if you guys aren't watching the good place check it out the only four seasons a little over a dozen episodes each season so definitely worth checking out continue with your plug sir uh, yeah and we we gave and far when we gave our predictions for SummerSlam this sunday and the second part we say to look back at a retro uh summer we, we like to do these like old school paper reviews and we chose summer slam 1993 we were joined by Another Paul, who's from uh, another Scott and Paul show, who knew there had to there'd be more than one of them, and we just talk for almost two hours about SummerSlam '93. We talk a lot about Lex Luger and the Lex Express. We mention Tom Pritchard on that show as part of Heavenly Bodies. We talk about him and his hair. And here's a question: Why are why are Jimmy Del Rey and Ludwig Borger the new Heavenly Bodies? The answer is in that podcast. Ooh, that's intriguing. That's that's a plug if I've ever heard one, ladies and gentlemen. I'm at Mr. Riot on Twitter. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because, as you guessed it, Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And um, 
if you want to stop hearing me say it, let me know already on Twitter. Um, you can find the rest of us uh, over at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow us over there. Go back and look at our archives. Me and Scott were just uh, creating our own pay-per-views with Nathan. Uh, that happened to go really, really well. The guys get super tired by the end because of the time difference, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. Three really, really good cards were made. We also have Create a Band, Create a Wrestler. Um, we got more retro smackdowns going backwards. We got current day pay-per-view reviews and upcoming this week. We're going to have a review of takeover. We're going to have a review of SummerSlam and the losers will be, um, punished with something, uh, which will be revealed on the takeover review show. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Again, that's rogue underscore opinions. And for my buddy, Scott, I'm Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you guys next time for Unforgiven 1999.